Today in Science from Wired. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off US versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous US China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. Researchers Restore Elusive Sixth Sense to Lost Limbs by Robbie Gonzalez The bionic hand closes slowly. Its slender metal digits whir as they jitter into a loose fit, as though they are wrapping around an invisible baton. Okay, closed, says the test subject. The test subject is Amanda Kitts. In 2006, a Ford F-350 hit her Mercedes sedan head-on. The collision rent the truck's tire from its chassis and shoved the axle into Kit's car, where it nearly severed her arm. It wasn't completely off, but it was mincemeat, she says. There was no saving it. So the surgeons pretty much cut it straight off, like you would a piece of wood. More than a decade later, she's sitting in a white-walled room inside Cleveland Clinic Medical Center, controlling a bionic hand via a thermoplastic prosthetic socket, which wraps around her upper body. It envelops what remains of her left arm, which ends a few inches below her shoulder. There, nerves that once commanded her arm and forearm, remnants of her amputation, now innervate her biceps and triceps muscles. The socket relays electric signals from those muscles to the computerized motor-driven hand, which she operates with her mind. I want to close my hand, she thinks, and the hand complies. But what's impressive here isn't that kids can manipulate the hand. Motorized prosthesis have improved dramatically in years, providing increasingly sophisticated options for restoring dexterous movement. What's remarkable is that she knows what her bionic appendage is up to, in spite of her blindfold and the noise-canceling headphones that cover her ears. Kits can feel the hand's movement, sense its position in space, and it's unlike anything she's ever experienced. Being able to close the hand and feeling that it's closed and knowing that it's closed. That's what's amazing, she says. As the robotic fist loosens, she mirrors its confirmation with her right hand. Open, she says, when its fingers, which feel like her fingers, reach their full extension. Neurophysiologists call awareness of the movement and position of one's body parts kinesthesia. The more general term is proprioception, though it refers more to position than movement. 
When an able-bodied person moves her hand, sensory motor signals inform her brain where and how it's moving. Kinesthesia is what lets her seize a falling bottle of shampoo in the shower or shoulder her backpack with her right hand while staring at the phone in her left. The sensation is commonly regarded as a sixth sense. It's entirely distinct from touch, yet kinesthesia is equally if not more important for complex motor tasks. But today, even the most sophisticated prosthetic hands provide no kinesthetic feedback. That means the only way to know where your prosthesis is is to watch it, says Paul Morasco, a neuroscientist and, deep breath, sensory neural physiologist at the Cleveland Clinic. An upper limb amputee does not simply open a door. Rather, he sees the door handle, watches his prosthetic hand reach for the handle, watches his prosthesis grasp the handle, turn the handle, pull the handle, and so on. But in the latest issue of Science Translational Medicine, researchers led by Morasco describe a neural interface that mimics kinesthetic feedback via a prosthesis, restoring the sense in test subjects with upper limb amputations, test subjects like Kit. The technique enables patients like her to not only improve their control of a robotic hand, but perceive its intricate movements, wrapping fingers around an invisible cylinder, for example. We've tapped into people's perceptual integration system, Morasco says. The method hinges on an extraordinary phenomenon that neurophysiologists call vibration-induced kinesthetic illusions, vibrating a tendon at a frequency between 70 and 115 hertz makes you feel like its associated joint is moving. The illusions can involve multiple joints and are potent enough to fool people into sensing that their arms are bending into weird or even impossible shapes. They can also implicate other body parts. Like the Pinocchio illusion, applying vibration to the tendon of your biceps, muscle, while you pinch the tip of your nose will convince you that your elbow joint is extending and drawing your hand away from your face. But the brain likes a clean story, so when you sense the joint extending, you sense your nose extending with it. These illusions, they're incredibly powerful, Morasco says. They can override your sense of what's real. Morasco and his colleagues wanted to know whether they could make a bionic limb feel as real as a biological one. To find out, they first applied vibrations to the biceps, triceps, and pectoralis muscles of six test subjects, sites where nerves that previously led to the subject's lower arms had been reattached, and asked them to mirror the perceived movement of their missing hands with their remaining ones. What happened next astonished the researchers. They'd expected their test subjects to feel movements at individual fingers or joints. Instead, we got these highly synergistic grip confirmations, Morasco says. Test subjects missing hands assumed a variety of positions called percepts that involved all their fingers moving in a concerted way. Morasco's team recorded 22 distinct percepts in total, the most highly conserved between test subjects being the loose fist, a.k.a. cylinder grip, previously described. Other common percepts included the tripod grip, in which the tips of the thumb, middle, and forefinger unite, and the thumb meets index finger, fine pinch grip. 
Nobody had demonstrated that these illusions could have an impact on patients with amputations, says bioengineer Christian Cipriani, head of the artificial hands area at the Biorobotics Institute of the Scuola Superior Santa Ana, Pisa, who was unaffiliated with the study. The other cool thing is that nobody actually knew that this phenomenon could be induced in nerves that had been re-innervated elsewhere in the arm, he adds, let alone so clearly in such distinct hand positions. Morasco doesn't know why his subjects perceive their missing hands to be assuming such complex configurations, but he has a hypothesis. Rather than build each percept from scratch, the brain chunks the hand's infinite configurations into more manageable building blocks. Then it fine-tunes them to match the sensation of the actual movement. To sense the movement and position associated with grabbing a glass, your brain might cue up a cylinder grip percept. While lifting a small pile of crumbs from the table, it might recruit the tripod grip percept. What we think we're seeing here, essentially, is a library of building blocks, Morasco says. But library access wasn't good enough. Vibrating a patient's arm to move their missing hand is a neat trick, but therapeutically useless. To try to be helpful, the researchers needed to combine the perception of hand movement with the intention of hand movement. To do it, they developed a bi-directional neural machine interface. Like existing prosthetics, it could relay electrical signals from patients' re-innervated muscles to a bionic hand. To this one-directional system, the researchers then added a kinesthetic feedback signal. When the hand moved in response to a test subject's thoughts, it also triggered vibrations at their re-innervation sites. At their re-innervation sites, producing the kinesthetic illusion. When the real-time illusory feedback matched the subject's intention, it improved their control within minutes. For instance, when the researchers linked the cylinder grip signal to the movement of a virtual prosthesis, the feedback enabled patients to control their bionic hands a quarter, half, or three-quarters of the way without looking at them. Notably, the test subjects with amputations perform the task as well as an able-bodied cohort. Next to the demonstrate is clinical application. The researchers incorporated the kinesthetic feedback into a prosthetic limb, one they fitted to kits. Strapped on, the limb began to dissolve the boundaries between operation and embodiment, that is, the distinction between controlling an arm and controlling your arm. The biggest thing about this study is that it shows you can provide someone a feeling of a hand movement and a sense of authorship over that movement, says Todd Quiken, Director Emeritus at the Center for Bionic Medicine at the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, who was unaffiliated with the study. Even if it's a crude open and close, something's a whole lot better than nothing, and this research shows you can give them something. The challenge, he says, will be developing systems that can collect and deliver more nuanced signals. It's a real estate problem, because everything's in the same place. You're trying to provide feedback to the same skin you're trying to record signals from, Quiken says. It's not impossible, but it's not easy. Fortunately, he says researchers are already experimenting with embedded electrodes for collecting signals. It might free up some space for the stuff Morasco is studying now.
operating the closed-loop system, Kit says, was transformative. You know, I did pattern recognition for years, training myself to operate a prosthetic hand, and that was great, she says. It was fantastic when I was finally able to move my arm by thinking about it. But this? This is going to take things to an entirely different level. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.